Bloody Elbow presents the Hey Not The Face podcast, the show that brings you the business side of combat sports, including contract review, financial analysis, fighter pay issues, and more. Hey Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, John S. Nash, joined by his producer, Steffi Haynes. Hello and welcome to Hey, Not the Face with your host, John Nash, and your producer, me, Steffi Haynes. And today we have a PFL episode. Now, there's other topics in here, but we focused a good bit on PFL. We just had the big PFL versus Bellator event. So we're going to start in with that and work our way out to some other topics. But first... Let's find out how our fearless leader is. John, how the hell are you? It's been a couple of weeks. It has. and I'm here. Tired today, but I'm here. I, look at that. Just for the listeners, I am here braving, I don't know, braving terrible, you know, mediocre L.A. weather. <laughs> well, at least it's not flooding anymore. So No, that. but it's supposed to start raining up again later in the week. So, And, and the worst news, I got that the Midwest, where I'm originally from years ago, uh, it's next Monday. It's they're predicting like 68 degrees. Wow. It's 80 degrees here in Texas. Like right now it's 11 5 PM and it's still 72 degrees here on February 25th. That's a little too hot. That's a little too warm in the wintertime for me. <laughs> yes. But anyways, we digress. We're going to go ahead and get right into it. First question. What? If anything, does Bellator winning five to one say about the two entities and PFL's acquisition of Bellator? Well, it shouldn't have been surprising to most people. I think most people that pay attention to MMA favored the Bellator champions, uh, wildly favored them. And so it, what it says is what we already know that Bellator has the better top end fighters and in it's also what it says is why they hired Bellator because PFL for all their talk that Don Davis does that they were the co even before they acquired Bellator that they're the co-leader that they put on events of the quality of the UFC. The talent level on their events has not been that spectacular, right? They have some, they have some decent fighters. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they don't have some, uh, they have some fighters that are ranked in the top 25 of fight matrix is what they use all the time. But they don't have really many elite fighters. And what Bellator has, they don't match the UFC, but they've done in the last few several years a pretty good job of recruiting and retaining some talented fighters. You know, we got AJ McKee. Aaron Pico actually starting to look really good. Yes, he is. He has turned his fortunes around. Yeah, you can go to, I mean, and Nemkov mm -hmm. moving to heavyweight looks, absolutely looks like, I'm, I'm not going to say, but I, I would say M Nemkov looks like he's a serious top five heavyweight mm -hmm. potential. So they have serious, maybe not the best fighter in the weight class, although some of them are arguable, but they have guys that you would seriously say they are top five talent, maybe not ranking because it's hard to get ranked when you don't have other high ranking guys to beat, but top, they have several top five talents in Bellator, something that PFL was missing. So I think that's what it tells you is Bellator had the better talent. Um, and Bellator is why that, that talent level is why PFL acquired them. 
Do you think it was successful for Bellator uh, as far as pay-per-view sales or, or with the Saudis? Yeah, well, I guess Bellator PFL because it was a PFL event. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – well, honestly, I think it was – I guess it, it depends on how you view it. Pay-per-view sales-wise, I doubt this did that good on pay-per-view. Um, people will think, oh, there's interest, Bellator versus PFL. And you see a lot of like – I guess hardcore, uninformed hardcore fans. I think I would describe them as because they're they're fans of MMA and they follow it very well, but they don't really understand how the business works too well. They're not in, you know, they're not like boxing fans. They're not they're not following how they they're not they're not they have been Dave Meltzer fans for decades and MMA payout is that just because you have Bellator versus PFL and it's their top fighters, that would not make it a pay per view sale. We know pay per views generally sell when you have on the main event and it has to be a big fight that there's a lot of interest in. And even though this was the PFL versus Bellator champs, the really, they weren't that great of matchups, right? The, I think often it was like the number eighth ranked, uh, you know, in one division for Bellator versus the 23rd ranked guy from PFL. So this is not even on a UFC like fight night. There's often better quality main events on them in the sense of high ranked matchups. So I don't think this did this. There was no major stars. There was no major matchups that the general public wanted to see. It was a gimmick. Now I give them credit. They were able to create a gimmick that they could, they could do something with, but I don't think it sold much on paper on that. It wasn't a success. The bigger question, because, because it was held in Saudi Arabia, the Saudis probably put up a lot of money for it. And, and that was, that's why they could hold it. They pay for it. The question is, are the Saudis happy with it? Now, Ant Evans, who know some people, he said his, he heard that the Saudis weren't happy with the results they got. I don't know if that's true, but the key to this success is were the Saudis happy? Cause you're not going to make your money on pay-per-view. It's going to be the, the, the site beat for the Saudis. And I don't know if they're happy or not with it. Ant would probably know those things, though, right? He still has his fingers pretty much all over the the matrix, so to speak. Yeah, he knows. I mean, he has sources. He's not making like some people. He's not often making stuff up. But the question is, what? Who are the sources? And you know, it was it was kind of quick turnaround information. So you'd I'd wait a while before. I think you'd want to talk to multiple people to see before what the reaction from several people was to this event. Do you think PFL is happy that Henan Ferreira beat Ryan Bader? Well, I think they're happy with the way he beat him on a, you know, basically one punch knockout. Uh, I think that they're happy with. I mean, I don't think they're too upset that he beat Bader because Bader um, is, you know, he's not, he's a well-known fighter, but I don't know what the upside is. And, 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 Hennon, he looks scary. He's big. And so that was impressive. So I think they were happy with the way he won. But he's not hes not a well-known fighter. He's not a highly rated fighter. Uh, he's going to move up on the win. But I, I don't think he's, you know, he's, you don't have a ma- massive star right now. I'll say that. Wow. What about Ngannou? Do we think he was happy with it? And do we think they actually fight? Because, man, it's looking like Ngannou is going to leave MMA in the rearview mirror. Well, it was noteworthy. Instead of coming into the ring and facing off with them, he left the arena, right? Yes. So it makes me have some questions there. Uh, I mean, PFL, I think in a sense, you could see that they're maybe kind of happy that uh, that they have 
uh, for our win because it looked he might look good against you know on a poster that they can sell against Ngano as like this big guy, but it's not a really marketable fight. He's not a major star yet, right? Now I'm sure he's happy because he is earmarked now to get according to Ngano's contract to get two million dollars as the opponent. Mm-hmm. Minimum, so he gets. He should be very happy. He got. He's got a two million dollar payoff. The thing with Ngannou, though, is, I mean, if he beats or looks good against Joshua, does he want to come back and fight in the PFL for you know? I mean, he'll make ten million, but compare that to uh, if he beats Joshua, he's looking probably at a fifty, sixty million dollar payday. I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. He's looking at a yeah. ridiculous purse to fight for the heavyweight title. If he beats Joshua, so does he come back and risk injury or something, something happening, uh, and ruining his fight at the heavyweight title for ten million? I mean, I know he has equity in the in Af- the Africa part, and he probably has some interest in promoting that. But even as that, is that worth risking this massive purse in boxing? Nope. <laughs> I, I no. would say no. Yes, definitely. But <laughs> one thing weird about Ngannou. Wait, I got a question, though, before you go in. Does he have to fight in PFL? I mean, is it set in stone that he must give them a fight? Well, his contract, my understanding is his contract is a two-fight deal, and every year he has to fight for PFL. Has to, but has to in a sense contractually, they have to give him a fight every 12 months. But you can't force people to fight. And I guess it would depend on the the contractual terms between boxing, what his – carve up but my understanding was that they they have the pfls for mma only and he's allowed to go box on his own and negotiate all his own deals so technically they can't force him it sounds like they can't force him to fight mma if he doesn't want he can just continue to box right and at first pfl was probably very happy with that at first because they're like well we don't have to pay this big payday to him we don't have an opponent for him it's not going to sell um and he gets to keep his his uh he gets more famous with every fight. You know, he just gets to be a bigger and bigger figure. But now they're probably looking at it like, listen, eventually this contract's I'm sure has you know a sunset clause on it, right? Yeah. I'm sure he put in a termination date. They have to be looking at it like, well, it was great when he's building up his renown, but now he's very well known, and if he continues to box, we are never going to take advantage of that. And we also eventually we do want him to step in the cage to take advantage of his prestige and try to sell some pay-per-views because we need that to keep our investors. So PFL now I think would want to. And, and part of me questions if this announcement that the winner between uh, uh, on the PFL versus Bellator event was going to be his next opponent. Was that something that they fully came into agreement with Ngannou ahead of time? I'm not sure of that because he didn't seem 100%. You know, he didn't walk in the cage. So that suggests to me that maybe mm-hmm. he's he's saying, I don't want to make this guy think that he's next when it might not be next, right? And so, but PFL, they were trying to hype the event, trying to find a way to sell it. Like, let's start market this as the fight to decide who fights Ngannou. Let me ask you this. Uh, are PFL shitting their pants right now? I wouldn't say shitting their pants right now over the fact that Ngannou might not fight with right, them. Right, right. I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, they still do. The, they're getting the benefit of Ngannou being part of the PFL without having to pay him. But I do think they they have to be somewhat nervous because they have pitched this business model where they're going to hold several, a couple pay-per-views per year. And again, only a handful of people sell. Mm-hmm. And they're two, they're three. When that was announced, they had three basically big potential pay-per-view sellers, right? They had 
Branson Gano, they side the number one heavyweight in the world, this who is now just gotten bigger and bigger. So big we question if he'll ever fight in MMA. Jake Paul as a name, right? But who does boxing and does he really want to fight MMA and uh, a sport where he probably has much less chance of winning, right? And mm-hmm. harm his brand. And third, Kayla Harrison. And so they acquired Belter against Cyborg. That was a very marketable fight, but now she's left. And so they're now doing stuff like the PFL versus Bellator. And I am, I do think, I'm sure some of them thought, oh, if we do PFL versus Bellator, this will get enough interest to sell pay-per-views. I'm sure some of them thought that, but they should, hopefully they have some people there telling them that, no, that's not what's going to sell pay-per-views. What's going to sell pay-per-views is Francis Ngannou versus a, a, an opponent that people want to see him against. And Don Davis said that very thing in an interview. So I hope that that's what they're, they, they seem to acknowledge it there. So hopefully they understand that, but that's what they're missing. And now they haven't gone to the star, but they don't, they need to get him in the cage, but they don't really have an opponent. So for, I mean, if Ngannou had him, if they had a, a very legitimate opponent that could draw against Ngannou, it's very likely, or at least much more likely that they'd say, listen, I'm going to box, but why not come back to PFL? Because my contract pays me 10 million minimum. And on top of that, I get double digit paper per pay-per-view buy. So I could be looking at 20, 30 million fighting MMA. Then he might, he might be much more motivated to come back to MMA. Let's talk about the opponent for Francis Ngannou. Why do you think they invited John Jones? And who do you think invited John Jones to this PFL event over the weekend? Well, I can only guess. And my guess is it was it came through the Saudis made the pitch. But I'm, I'm guessing maybe someone in PFL working with the Saudis wanted them there. Right. The, you know, bring because it's it was very clever to bring John Jones there, brings attention, brings it. It makes kind of a viral moment. You, everybody on Twitter will share it. But Jones on Jones part, I think he went because, this you know, he's trying to make a Saudi contact because the, they, they're throwing tons of money around right now. And everybody mm-hmm. seems to want to be friendly with them. And on the PFL side, they want him there because it's just great. You know, it's a great media moment to show him there. Okay. What do you think about the questions that they asked him specifically about fighting Francis? Well, I didn't like the way, and I I talked to uh, Patrick Auger on Twitter. Didn't talk, but we tweeted back and forth a little bit. I didn't like the way they questioned it, but I give him credit I, I was pretty impressed they brought up specifically him fighting in Ganu and then brought up that there's only one person standing in the way of that fight and it's not the PFL, right? Mm. So I give him credit because that makes that's something the hardcore MMA fan base that is watching the PFL on Twitter will probably latch on to more. Now it's pure PR, but I, I thought it was very clever of them to get that interview. And I was very surprised that they got the questions off. And I was also somewhat surprised that Jones came up to take questions from him while he was there. Yeah, that was surprised too, because the would would the UFC frown on him being there? I'm just curious if you think that. Well, they they might frown on the fact that he was being asked those questions, but he he's very diplomatic, and I think they'll be happy with the way he answered them. But they might not be happy that the fact he was put in that situation being asked the questions. But but I think they I don't think they're going to take it out on Jones. I think he answered in a way that was very kind of, you know, the UFC is going to be happy with his answers. And they're just going to be more annoyed that the PFL pulled that and got him on there. I think that's it. But uh, him fighting in Ghana was, you know, that was a great question by it. the way the way they set that up. I mean, I thought I would have done a little more natural because it felt so artificial the way they set it up. But 
and I thought you could have got a better answer out of him from it if asked differently. But just the fact that they got him to ask it and then bring up the point that there, which was right why Jones was there, that there's only one person standing in the way. I thought was it was somewhat comical. Yeah, yeah. Is there a chance that we can ever actually see Francis Ngannou versus John Jones? Well, I don't want to say there's no chance, but there's very little chance. But I'll say there's a couple things made possible. One is that the Saudis want it. They could throw a ton of money at both promotions to get it done, right? The one thing is for UFC, it's got to be it, it. It would have to be a ton of money because, kind of unlike uh, McGregor versus Mayweather, there was no downside to McGregor. I mean, or very little potential downside to McGregor going into boxing and losing, because it was a boxing, a different sport. He's going to come back. Uh, it just increases brand. The only bad thing was that they, McGregor made a bunch of money and they don't like their fighters. And this is me, Dana White, saying the fighters should mm-hmm. make so much, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the bad on that. But on this, the bad part is if Jones fights, the risk is even if the UFC gets paid a ton of money by the Saudis, right? And Jones goes and gets killed by Ngannou. Now they got to worry that there's a, a major, uh, everybody will see that the, the number one heavyweight is outside the UFC, right? For sure. Because they can make the argument, even though Ngannou was the number one heavyweight and left, Jones came in and, and without fighting him, everybody can now make the claim that he's the number one heavyweight. <laughs> so that's their big fear. The other problem was would be, let's say the the Saudis just said, we really want this fight and we're going to give both sides $100 million to make it happen, right? Well, the UFC might go, that's great because we get to make a ton of money on this. But is John Jones going to be very excited to walk in the cage when he finds out that of that $100 million, <laughs> He gets twenty million, and and Gan was keeping eighty million of his side. You know, I, I think at that point the fight might fall apart because John Jones is going to be furious at the fact that he's getting a fraction of what Gan is going to make because of the contract. So I, I think that would be the hurdle. The way it would get made, I think, and this is the other thing: France and Gano's contract. Again, I don't know the the sunset clause, but he only has a two fight deal apparently with the PFL. And two years. So that his contract could be up in, um, I don't know, another year, year and a half maybe, let's say. He would be another free agent. Maybe the interest is so vast, the UFC says, let's make the fight. But again, you run into that problem. Do you cut a deal where Ngannou is going to make multiples with Jones makes? And yes. if that's the case. <laughs> yes, I want to see the fight. Yes. <laughs> yeah, But then Jones is not going to agree to the fight because he's going to hold out to make more. And, and Ganu, who's know so what used he's to making? the boxing paydays now, is not going to take a major pay cut to come back to the UFC. But so if, you're, you're going to be in that dilemma. In your scenario, though, if he's a free agent and they they get him to come back for one or two fights, how would he know what Francis is making? Because we know the UFC locks down those numbers and doesn't like, you know, fighter X it, knowing I, what I fighter would, Y is making. It, I think it would come out, there would be some, yeah. you couldn't stop, because there'd be several, and we're in Gano, because he negotiates like a boxer now, the numbers are easier to get a hold of, because there's yeah. multiple parties get, hearing the information, right? Right. Where on the UFC side, it's basically the UFC talking to the fighter directly, and that's it. In has got people he's working with, there's going to be multiple parties that are going to be aware of what he's being offered. And and just the fact that people are going to realize what he made in boxing, and they're going to ask, "Are you making less?" And I I don't see Gano saying, you know, I think he'll be some maybe he won't give the number, but he'll be honest and say, "No, I'm not making any less." And then you'll instantly know what he's kind of making, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, the number we might not never get an exact number, uh, but it would become pretty obvious, I think, pretty quickly 
that uh, and and there's leaks in the UFC too. Someone in the UFC might just do that just to f with John Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the other big earner out there, and Conor McGregor. What do you think is going on with McGregor in the UFC? Because we have Dana out there vocally saying that he doesn't know what's going on with Conor. He actually said in an interview that he didn't know if Conor would fight again. And I quote, he makes a lot of money, so that complicates things. End quote. So what yeah. do you think is going on there? Well, uh, yeah, that, I mean, because he's rich is the kind of the common saying Dano says, right? Which doesn't make quite make sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe in Connor's situation, because he has a lot of money, he doesn't want to mm-hmm. fight. But the way Dana always brings that up, like people have a lot of money, don't want to fight anymore. It's not stopping Canelo Alvarez, nope. right? Canelo's making a ton of money worth hundreds and hundreds of millions, worth as much, if not more, than Conor McGregor, makes more than Conor McGregor. And he's still out fighting several times a year against, you know, top competition. Although, uh, from the word sound of it, doesn't sound like he's taking the best guys in this the, this year. He's turning yeah. shooting down some of the better uh, fight matchups. To he needs to fight other. Benavidez and get he it out does, of the way. The, that that and, uh, tangent here, just to, we go off on a side <laughs> tangent here. The, for Canelo, I have no problem if Canelo doesn't want to fight Benavidez for any reason, right? What I have a problem with is Benavidez is the number one contender mm-hmm. at that weight class, right? The number one ranked fighter beneath Al, uh, Canelo at 168. Well, if that's the case, strip him of the belt. You are not defending the guy that you should be defending right. against. We have no, I have no problem with you not fighting him if you don't want to, but you cannot be called the champion at 168 and any of the, the sanctioning orgs if you're unwilling to defend it against the best guys. That's just my my thinking on it. But okay, well back to back to McGregor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean McGregor says, and the other thing is McGregor says he wants to fight repeatedly says he's almost like he's frustrated looking for the fight. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple theories, I guess we could say about what's going on. We've talked about in the past. One is, uh, his contract is just being held out, extended and be partly, even though he may be at a sunset clause, but because he took that retirement for a while to, I don't want to say juice, but let's say juice, uh, <laughs> uh, he he you is say. it's extended and it's not up. <laughs> That's one. UFC two might not want to get him to burn out his last two fights because they want him under contract as they're negotiating their next deal because they want to use it like listen, you're gonna sign us and we have some big Conor McGregor fights gonna be on that new contract. And don't you know, as part of the deal, like don't you want Conor McGregor fighting selling over a million pay-per-views after we come to the new deal? So they might be using that for that. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it sounds like it's some sort of, and I've talked to people about this in the business, and a lot of them assume that there seems to be some negotiation going on. Something behind the scenes is going on um, because you have McGregor saying he wants to fight, Dana saying he's not interested, and he only has two fights left on his deal. And then there's, of course, Chandler out there saying it's definitely happening. I don't know who's telling him that. But Wait, I got to ask you about Mike Chandler then. Let, let's yeah. back the truck up for just a moment. Mike Chandler went out on this past Monday and did this pathetic, pitiful call out of Conor McGregor. It was 21 seconds long. I know because I, I wrote the post on it, but it was 21 seconds long. He ran out of oxygen and basically his his last words sort of trailed off into the ether. But the, the point is, he said 
that Conor McGregor was holding things up. But that's not the truth, is it? To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.